We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everybody, to the Thursday Rotowire MLB podcast. I am Todd Zola, once again, pinch hitting for Jeff Erickson. And I am thrilled to welcome my friend and colleague, uh, Jeff Barton from Scoresheet Baseball onto the podcast. We've we've done this in reverse a couple of times. Jeff's talked to me uh, on Scoresheet, but I'm thrilled to be able to, to ask the questions this time. And uh, welcome, Jeff. Well, thanks for having me, Todd. I appreciate it. Yeah, we uh, we need to get you on. Jeff, we mentioned Jeff. Jeff and I both talk about score sheet. We play score sheet. We love score sheet. We need to get you on closer to the beginning of the season so we could drum up some business for you. But I thought it would be a great time now with this industry podcast. To, I thought it was a great opportunity to chat for a few minutes, catch up, and uh, see what's going on. See, uh, at least plant the seed for score sheet baseball. Why don't we do that off the top? Some people that might be unaware, let them know a bit about score sheet, score sheet baseball. Um, well, score sheet is a, I mean, it's like all fantasy games. You draft the team before the season, you play during the season using the stats your players put up that week in real life. But we are, we play our games using a simulation we wrote. And so instead of having categories or earning points, um, you play regular real games at bat by bat. So for those of you um, that in the past played board games or computer games like Stratomatic or Pursue the Pennant, it's like playing those games except with the current season stats instead of the previous year's stats. And we've been doing it since 1987. So at least enough people have liked doing it to keep us going for 35 years. All right, cross off how long have you been doing this from my question list. Uh, 87. Back in 87, thinking back that, that far, that most, I mean, there were people playing fantasy, you know, rotisserie, you know, standard fantasy, but a lot of it was in a magazine, pick a player from this, you know, pick one of these eight players, one of these eight players, one of these eight players, and assemble your team that way, then mail it into the magazine or, or newspaper. What made you decide to go the simulation route? I mean, I mean, the diamond mine, Stratomatic, you mentioned a couple, but it was, it was, you're the exception. You're not the norm. I think what made you decide to go in that direction? Um, my brother, who is a computer programmer, he played in one of those really early, you know, rotisserie games out of a magazine ad. 
And in his league, Vince Coleman was the first pick. <laughs> and he pretty much blew his top. Thought this game can't be right if Vince Coleman's the first pick. So, and he also is a huge fan of walks. You know, he was one of the very early people to just tell people batting average does not matter. On base percentage is what matters. And so between those two things, you know, Vince being picked because of his steals and runs scored somewhat and players that just didn't get any credit for their walks hardly, he decided that since we had played Stratomatic as kids, that that game was much more realistic. And so he spent a year pretty much trying to write a, a sim game like Strat, but, you know, a lot of the work was how to incorporate weekly stats because strange things happen in just one week. A pitcher will give up three runs but not actually have an inning pitched or things like that. So you got to kind of keep your program running when that happens. But basically he wanted the, the things that rotisserie, especially back then, did not have. Way too much emphasis, he thought, on steals. No defense. We have defense in score sheet. So it was kind of a drive to have a realistic, which sounds kind of crazy, but a realistic <laughs> fantasy game. I mean, this is 87. I mean, we think of now with, with computers and powerhouse computers and the availability of stats. You know, we talk about doing stats by hand, you know, out of USA Today. It couldn't have been easy just to, with the computers itself, just the processing power it must have been a challenge just to put the game together. Yeah, I mean, that was back, you know, we had computers. We weren't playing the games by right. hand, but nobody had email. The internet was just, you know, in the Pentagon, I think, back then or something. Nobody had internet. And, in fact, our second or third year, someone called me and said, can I send you a fax? And I'm like, well, what's a fax? <laughs> you know, so, um, and... Our first year, we used some little tiny company out of San Francisco for our stats. Fortunately, Stats Inc. came along in, I think, 88. And they've, you know, and so we could get our stats over a modem. And they've been accurate ever since their very first year. So that was really a big hurdle was just getting accurate stats. And that was how we got an awful lot of customers because back then, that was back in the days when USA Today sold more papers on Tuesday and Wednesday than the rest right. of the week combined because everybody was doing their stats by hand. Right. AL came out on Tuesday and the NL, NL came out on, on Wednesday. Now, back then, I mean, advanced metrics and, and BABIP and all these other things, we didn't really know about them. So you, you must have just pretty much been simming to surface stats, No. Yeah, it was, um, if you were a person that looked at on-base percentage more than batting average, or you didn't fixate on runs scored or RBIs, and you just drafted players, you know, like you said, on the basic stats you can get, which weren't many, on-base, slugging, ERA, maybe strikeouts per inning, that was about all you had. And if you were in a dynasty league, we started having what we called keeper leagues our second year. If you're in one of those and you were trying to draft minor leaguers, it was pretty much baseball America or nothing as far as getting information. Right. And, you know, back then, because it wasn't electronic, it wasn't on the Internet, you were always kind of two, three, four weeks behind on the minor league stats. So that that was certainly a challenge for people trying to build long-term teams. Right. I can I mean, John Sickles and Tony Blangino and some other people came 
a little later on with their books and their websites. But right back then it was, it was just, it was the baseball. It was like a magazine. It was like more than a pamphlet, but I'm just, and I can picture it because we both probably have them on our shelves, the old baseball America uh, magazine type, type things. So over the years, you know, stats have improved, computers have improved. How have, how has the simulation? I mean, I know that you're the, you're the marketer. Uh, you leave it, the programming to your brother more and more, 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 more than less. But has the simulation aspect with the you know, air quote improved metrics changed your back end any, or are we still kind of simming to the simming to the surface stats? Well, we use more stats than we used to because you can get more stats. But right. I think really all of that stuff like Babbitt and all is great for deciding who to draft because last year's ERA isn't as predictive. I mean, I'm preaching to you, which is ridiculous, but <laughs> you know, last year's ERA is, does not predict what a pitcher is going to do this year nearly as well as some of the other stats, swinging strikes or FIP or anything in our game though. We just plain use each week's stats that the players put up. So the Babbitt, we don't try to use that in our game. You know, we base how the pitcher is going to do on his ERA and his hits and strikeouts per inning pitched in real life. And pretty much the same for batters. You know, we base it on his on base and slugging percentage in real life that week. And then things like run scored and RBIs and steals factor in a little bit. Steals are based on the real life numbers. Run scored and RBIs make it a little more likely that your runner on base will score or the batter will drive someone in, but they don't matter nearly as much as the true individual stats. Because if you're batting third on the Yankees, obviously you're going to have a lot more RBI chances than if you're batting seventh on Kansas City. Right, but in your team, the seventh batter on Kansas City, maybe you may have a you know a juggernaut team, and he's going to put up, relatively speaking, he'll put up similar percentages but maybe have more run production because your team's better than the royals or, or something yeah i've had people ask me you know do they sim to the xfip and do they sim to the sierra no i mean i i think you said it perfectly you draft your team based upon some of these underlying metrics because the players should perform better but you know you say if the if the if, an, if a pitcher was lucky one week then your team is going to be lucky that week too of course your entire rotation gets you know, I mean, there's, there's different players, so you you one loss record. But if a pitcher had an air quote lucky week, then maybe you get a lucky win that week too. That's just that's baseball. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think plus a lot of those stats just are semi semi meaningless in a one week sample size. That's the point. Yep. Yeah, you know, I mean, so we just take the attitude: if your starting pitcher gives up six earned runs in five innings in real life, we're gonna Try to have him if you're facing average hitters in score sheet. He's going to give up six runs in five innings in real life for your team. And we don't try to really say, oh, he should only give up four runs because he was unlucky with Baba. That's just, I know people don't want that. People want the stats, like you said, the surface stats, they want to match. Well, not RBIs and run score. We explain to our customers, they're just not going to match because they're really dependent on the Right lineup they're on in real life, and they're on a different lineup in score sheet. But ERA and WHIP and on base and slugging over the course of 162 games, if you play a guy full time all year, he's going to have 
those numbers are going to match pretty closely. His and his steals, if you have him steal. Team dependent stats aren't going to match as closely. And also bullpen numbers, you don't have to be a real life closer to be a to get a save in score sheet. You know, our belief is that it's your team. And if you want to put so and so in a, a closer instead of Chapman, you can. And then if he pitches really well with his surface stats, he'll get saves for you. Right. No, that's that's one of the first tricks you learn is that you 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 know you you put the skilled pitcher in as your closer. The saves don't matter. It's, it's you know, I think the the first the first trick of score sheet, then there's plenty of others down the line. One of my favorite aspects of it, and you know, this is old fashioned, and I I've I've talked to you about this and it's maybe maybe not this year because my team's not very good, but I look forward on Monday mornings or and or afternoon to get that email from you with the with the seven or six or maybe five uh, box scores. I mean, right now we are in a live live standings. How come I don't have a save on my roster? My team should you know should is is being gypped out of a save. We are into what have you done for me lately? Fantasy, but the fun the, the waiting or you know the anticipation of getting the previous week's results on a Monday, it's not a bug for me. It's a feature. I love it. Looking through the box scores like we used to do as kids, to me that makes it, you know, it's just a, a fun aspect of it. Maybe the youngsters don't appreciate it as much, but I, I just, I'm glad you resisted the urge to do something different. Well, yeah, for one, it would be hard to do daily results because yeah. we kind of need a week-long stats. Exactly. Um but yeah, one thing about a sim, you mentioned listening to box scores. You know, because we play games at bat by bat, inning by inning, we have a feature where you can go on your website and play your game and listen to it. And it'll say Gliber Torres leads off with a single. Um, you know, well, not Brennan Crawford hits a double. Now there's men on second and third. Aaron Judge strikes out. So you can listen to it at bat by bat. Because we used to we used to mail results. You talked about it. in '87. There's no other way to get things out, and people would they'd cut a little corner out of a cardboard piece and they'd kind of move it across their box score. Because we don't just do box scores; we do score sheets, as you know. So it shows yeah. the just like if you go to a game and you keep score on a of the game, and they'd move the little thing along or down, and they'd kind of read them the play by play off to themselves. So that's the kind of thing you can't do with a category game no for sure like i said to me it's 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 i i i my roto stats okay i can get them right away i want them but like i said especially when my team is better than this year i loved did i you know did i go five and two did i stay in first am i going to make the playoffs that, that anticipation was uh was a real blast and like i said we we need we'll get you to talk a little bit more about it closer to the beginning of the season when uh when when you start up because right I mean they'll be orphan you'll to sign up soon for orphan teams or start up new leagues and hopefully knock on wood um, am I being presumptuous that you'll be in Arizona this year? I'm sorry, am I going to be in Arizona? Yeah, I don't for, for the first pitch. I don't think so. I've only missed like two of the last twenty years, but at the moment I have a big trip planned in November. Okay, um, so I trying to talk to my brother who's started score shoot with me 35 years ago. I think maybe he'll go for the first time and then people can actually ask programming questions. There we go. If you ask me a programming question, I pretty much have to send David an email. <laughs> well, uh, that'd be great. I mean, I know you, you, you struggle to get some leagues going. Uh, there's just so many of the NFPC leagues that are overwhelming 
the drafting uh, itch while we're out there. So I, I like it when I hear that, yeah, Jeff's got a full league or et cetera. So hopefully uh, David can get that going. We did have a question, a programming question, obviously more for David. Maybe you know. People are wondering with the defense, are you have you incorporating more of the newfangled defensive stats into your defensive ratings? Well, when we assign ratings, we try to use the latest, greatest measure of fielding. You know, right. some combination of like ultimate zone rating and a few of the others people have come up with. Um, the fielding rating, you know, we do have fielding. We put out a range for every player, range factor at the start of the season. And that's basically a, a measure of how many balls they're going to get to, say, out of 100 mm -hmm. plays or off for the field. So we try to use the latest fielding measurements, which have gotten far better. I mean, it used to be basically had to assign a rating based on their fielding percentage and their total number of chances. Um, you know, I, I think Derek Jeter these days would not be winning gold gloves. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to hope that that's true. Well, he's a little older. He's older now. He doesn't have as much range as when he played. So, Well, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I would of all the numbers that have changed over the years, thinking about the game, I would think that fielding would be the, the the main area where you just simply easiest to upgrade the most in the back end. Yeah, I'd say it. It's certainly the area where measuring a player's ability, yeah, has been the most impacted. I think by modern stats. I mean, the things they do now. I mean, it used to be people would, oh, I go to 30 Padre games a year. I watch so-and-so, and he's the greatest thing ever. It's like, well, in 30 games, you know, every Major League Baseball shortstop is the greatest thing ever. There, There is nobody playing shortstop in the majors that isn't one of the best 100 fielders in the world. Yeah, no, that's correct. I mean, you have to compare them against each other, of course, but no, absolutely. I get that out in, here in Boston with, with Xander Bogarts. The numbers do not tell that he's a very good shortstop but everybody here i can't you know I, I can't say that or i'll get canceled but uh he's had a better year but um so let's kind of segue we talked a little score let's sort of segue you mentioned the padres but i know you're uh i know you're a giants fan i am a red sox fan we both have something kind of in common this season is both our teams sort of expected to make the playoffs and aren't going to and our disappointments and what happened last year etc so how has it been a uh, you know how has it been a rough summer for you as far as fandom goes or is it just one of those you know last year was nice we'll be back next year um i think you're probably more disappointed than me cuz i think you had a realistic probability of the Sox having a really good year most of us that have been giants fans for a long time most of my friends and my leagues and all we kind of took the attitude that last year was the most fun season we've ever seen, regular season. <laughs> I mean, what? They won 107 games. Nobody thought they'd win more than 87. They won a ton of games with late-inning comebacks. They had players come out of nowhere to do really well. Um, and most of us said, okay, there's just no way Crawford, Belt, Longoria, these guys getting older are going to have their career year again this year. And so, yeah, I'm disappointed. I thought they'd win 90 games this year and they'd either make the last wild card or they'd be in it till the last weekend. I didn't think they'd, for all intents and purposes, be out of the race by mid-August. 
So that's disappointing. Um, but I'm not, I'm just not as surprised. They really, you know, they've got a bunch of relievers no one had ever heard of that last year had the best bullpen in baseball. That's kind of almost luck. Well, a lot of it is. I mean, the, the park helps. Uh, Gabe Kapler putting players in a good position to succeed. The starting pitching, the, you know, the reclamation projects that came through this year with Desclafani not quite, well, not quite, uh, you know, not not living it up to, not not performing what it was, or what was hoped anyway. I'm not even going to say expected. I think it was hoped uh, was a big difference. You're right. Everything fell into, it fell perfectly. I'm not going to dwell on the Red Sox. It was just one of these years where I think you know, the Chris Sale situation, I think you were going to build off of that. And without Chris Sale around, it hurt some of the moves. I think Kyan Bloom, he's going to realize we're not dealing with robots and this saving money is fine, but you still need to, at least in this market, get some stars. And when your stars are all under contract issues, the leadership aspect of it's not there. So it's just a, a whole bunch of things. That's I think Bloom can pull it together and construct a roster. But I just, I think when, you know, you're looking for a leader and you've got J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, and Raphael Devers all in limbo, and then you trade your your, your de facto leader at the at the break in Christian Vasquez, uh, I'm not surprised that what's happened's happened. I'm the eternal optimist. I think he can pull it together, but I need to see it. You know, I'm the, his, uh, my forgiveness only goes another year, year and a half. Other people are already fed up. I, uh, I need to see. I need to see him be able to mix the Tampa Bay way with having a budget. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, you bring up money. That is among, you know, I have a lot of friends and Giants fans. I grew up in the Bay Area. We used to go to Giants games all the time. I still have a lot of friends that go all the time. Our biggest complaint is that we've allowed our payroll to go to more like the average payroll in Major League Baseball, even though we still have somewhere between the top five and top ten revenues in baseball. Um, So... Like you said, I'm willing to give them one more year. Most of us are pretty much in the camp of they need to spend money this winter and get two or three stars. You know, they don't have to get the absolute. They don't have to get judge. Maybe if he gets some outrageous thing, but they need to get Bogarts would be great. You know, something like that. They need a couple of those guys because they don't have a single player on their team anymore that you can really hang your hat on and just say he's going to bat third in 160 games this year and we're like, you know, Willie Mays or somebody. So they really need to spend some money or they're going to lose fans because we all know their revenues would support it. Right now. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of a nice tandem that, you know, score sheet relies on platoons for part of it, right? You want your stars, but you platoon the fringe players and that's what San Francisco did last season. So from someone who, you know, was been played in running score sheet, that must have seemed kind of neat that Gabe Kapler is doing what the successful score sheet players do. And he was doing it at the major league level. But you also want to be able to, you know, why, why not buy a guy that you don't need a platoon, get Juan Soto out there and not have to platoon Lamont Wade and Austin Slater or something like that. Yeah, that's one thing about score sheet. You know, you make a lineup in Scoresheet because it's a simulation. And so you can platoon. And it's one of the reasons, along with just length of games due to pitcher, um, too many pitchers every game, you know, it's pretty hard to platoon in real life if you only have three hitters on the bench. Um, (laughs) Exactly. And it worked for the Giants last year somehow. They had a really good balance of righty-lefties. And they did it pretty dang well. This year they've got – far more left-handed hitters and it's not working nearly as well. Plus most of the guys that are platoon players in real life all the time, they're obviously not Juan Soto or Ron Acuna, you know, they're platoon players for a reason. So I am, I love watching the giants do it. I just wish baseball had more bench players. So more teams could do it. Um, But it was last year. Like I said, we all agree. As a regular season goes, that was by far the most fun regular season we'd ever seen. Of course, I mean, going behind the fourth wall a little bit now, we were together in Arizona last year when the Giants season ended, and you may not have felt that way at that particular moment of time, but we knew, we knew that once once the alcohol wore off and the hangover went away that uh, that you you guys and a couple, you know, a lot of Giants fans said the same thing that uh, at the end of the day, it was an incredibly enjoyable summer. And, you know, like, these were, it was fun for the Red Sox last year, too. People, people forget that they 
People thought that they were going to beat Houston and make it to the World Series. They were hitting grand slams left and right. And, you know, Houston pulled it out at the end and then lost to Atlanta. But, you know, both our teams were, uh, you know, one was a check swing away and the other was just a, a good pitching matchup away from uh, from an interesting uh, next round yeah. of the playoffs. So who knows? But you, you know, are, I was, you may- uh, sorry, I was in Boston for the last Boston playoff game visiting my daughter because she's going to school there. And Andy Anders took me and her down to a bar right across the street from Fenway. So Boston wasn't at home. They were on the road. But so we sat in a real Boston baseball bar and watched that last game. You know, fans out here are not like fans in the East Coast. You know, we're pretty laid back compared to you guys. Um, So it was pretty fun for us. It would have been more fun if Boston had won the game. But (laughs) it was just fun to watch people that – just live and die. They are emotional. That is that is true. Maybe to a fault, but you know, I, I'd rather I, I suppose I'd rather have the over emotional than under emotional. But I mean, myself, I'm more of the even keel. I think a uh, little bit older, having gotten four championships since the turn of the century. That that Ed, you know, is it going to happen before I'm no longer around? Well, it's happened four times, so it's all good. Uh, as, far, as far as that goes, and, and you know, with, with football, yeah. we've been kind of spoiled, we're a little bit spoiled out here. Yeah, I mean, Boston went how many years without a championship? Like a lifetime for most, for a lot of people, without a oh, championship. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, you got four in twenty years. Right, right. And the Giants had the three in the in the in the short term. They, they, I think they're the only teams with more than two since the turn of the century. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens this season, but. Um, mentioned we talked a little about defense and talked a little bit with Peter Kreutzer last week about this. You know, we're not going to win any fantasy leagues with this talk, but kind of curious for both of a certain age. What are you talking about the shift being legislated next year? You know, forget the forget how you'll do it with your game or whatever, but you know, from a fan, are you are you hoping they legislate the shift? Are you hoping they leave it as it is? Where where do you stand with that? Um well, everything I think about the rules is predicated on that. For me, they need to get back to a way where the ball is in play. You know, it's really fun watching a shortstop go in the hole and make a throw. Right. Or an outfielder throw a guy out at second base who's trying to stretch a single. Um, so I kind of feel they should let teams run their team the way they want. But if they really try it in the minor leagues and it turns out that outlawing the shift somehow leads to more balls in play or, you know, something besides a two bouncer to a guy in shallow right field who throws you out, <laughs> then I'd be for it because, you know, strikeouts when Nolan Ryan struck somebody out, it was kind of fun to watch, but now guys get called up for the minors. They strike 10 guys out at nine, every nine innings. It's just not, it's not unusual enough to be exciting. What I'd really like to see is then let let them keep the shift and players figure out a way to hit to the opposite field. You know, you're a major league hitter. If there's only one guy on the whole left side of the field, you should be able to hit a ground ball through the hole for a double. I think if you waited five, six, seven, eight years, that's what would happen. But people don't want to wait that long. TV contracts want viewers, right? So I think that instead of waiting for it to organically go through a cycle, where we do go back to having players being able to spray the ball around, put it in play, 
etc. I think they're gonna, they're just they're changing the rules to have the game match what they want it to be, as opposed to letting the game naturally evolve into being the most efficient game to win. This is how you win games: you hit the ball, you know, out of the park, you you, you take walks, etc. Other sports, though, there's 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 precedence. Football has changed the rules as far as pass blocking and 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 defensive secondary and, and, and you know how you can hit the quarterback and basketball is lax defensive rules and zone defenses etc and hockey not as much but the two line offside I mean there's some rules in hockey that have changed too so it, it's not baseball isn't the only sport that is changing the rules to make the game more appealing even if it's less uh, you know, less naturally the way it should be played to win the game. Yeah, no, I agree. I think in a perfect world, I mean, can you imagine if they shifted against Tony Gwynn? He'd, he'd have a 500 batting average. Well, you couldn't shift against him because he could hit the ball every all over yeah. the way. You know, I but mean, yeah, it, yeah. So no, no, exactly. And um, I mean, they've been shifting, you know, you, I didn't see it. Neither did you, I don't think. But you know, they were shifting against Ted Williams, uh, maybe one of the, one of the first if they uh, back in the day. But he was he was the exception. He wasn't the rule. But you were talking too about uh, defense. I think one of the repercussions of the shift of of legislating the shift, you have to bring more athletic players back into the game now to play the to have the range to play the defense, and that. You know, these athletic players, maybe they can't hit it out of the park. So maybe they do go back to contact. So even though as the research guy, the scientist says, if I could do my work and this guy hits the ball at this spot nine out of ten times, I want to have four fielders there. It, it, that's not the most that, – that's not that's not going to draw fans. So I the the fan has to, like, shut the scientist up and say, no, let's get the athleticism back in the game. Jeff and I will keep chatting, but first, this word from Caesar Sportsbook. The weather is heating up, and so are the promotions at Caesar Sportsbook. Today, anyone who is at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesar Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesar Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's R-O-T-O-1-5. The promo code gives new users a risk-free first bet up to $1,500. Visit Caesars.com slash sportsbooks or download the Caesars Sportsbooks app today. And don't forget to use the promo code ROTO15 when signing up. Yeah, well, because, I mean, that's one thing about baseball. They have, I mean, Moneyball gets a lot of credit for it, but Teams have figured out defense is important. And Wilmer Flores, if he could play average defense at any infield position, he'd make at least five million more a year. You know, he can he hits the ball pretty dang hard for an infielder, but he can't even play first base. I mean, he's just horrible. And teams have figured out that matters. Right. He's not even an example of a player who um is 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 completely I mean, Brendan Lau, for instance. I think isn't the greatest second baseman, but because Tampa knows exactly where to put him, you can get away with Brandon Lau at second base. Yeah. yeah Flores, Flores isn't even that. Unfortunately, Flores isn't even that good where 
you can say that. I mean, you put him at third, you have to move him to short occasion on, on shifts. You, they hide him in the outfield uh, at times, which in San Francisco, you can't hide anybody in the outfield. It's so big. Yeah, uh, you, you really don't want to hide anybody out there. But uh, no, when you already have Darren Ruff on the team and Wilmer Flores on the team, and guys get hurt once in a while, you you know, you, Pac Bell's not a good place to play a horrible guy in the outfield. When Flores plays short, you remember Howard Johnson when he played short those oh, couple yeah. years for the Mets. Yeah, I mean the pitchers have to be going in the dugout and saying to Kapler, "What the heck are you doing? You know, you got to give me a chance here." I said, well, last night Bobby Dahlback played short for the for the Red Sox. I was kind of saying the same thing, but he had a pretty decent. I, he he made the routine plays. He didn't have right. to do any of those jump throws or, uh, you know, spin a double play, et cetera. You know, he made the routine plays, which was nice. But but no, exactly. Um, what about Robo once? What do you? I mean, I probably shouldn't. I mean, yeah, it's it's been a year since the check swing almost. What about Robo once? How where where are you with where are you with that? You know, one thing about that. Arizona League Conference BBHQ puts on that you and I have gone to for 20-some years. Yeah. Is that when you go to those games, you can sit three rows behind the plate. Because except for the Michael Jordan year, 500 fans is a lot of fans, and they're in those big spring training parks. And so last year when they were doing robo-wumping, we all kind of did that a couple times, I found by the fourth or fifth inning, I kind of could forget they were doing robo-wumping. It didn't, which means to me it was kind of working. I think there's going to be mistakes, and there'll be replays that show, oh, the up, you know, they got to get it really three-dimensional. But it's hard to believe robo-umps can't do at least as good a job as human umps do. And like I said, I thought it worked pretty well when I saw it last fall. No, you're right. And, you know, know, being three rows – you have to know where the where the scouts sit in each of the ballparks. They don't like the sun or what you know. So the scouts get priority, and then we get to go wherever they're not. Yeah. So uh, it's it's no it, it's I'm looking forward. I'm a little bit. Um, we're not going to see as many games this year in in Arizona. We are going to see a home run derby, uh, but just the way the scheduling works out, we may not get. To, well, I know I'm I'm not going to be there as long as I normally am. But uh, we may not see as many games, which is kind of a bummer. But the conference itself is still is still well worth it. And, and you come a little early, you stay a little late, and you can catch all the action that you want. Uh, it's 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 fantastic. Uh, first pitch Arizona. We'll 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 talk to Brent and Ray uh, maybe a little, little little bit later. We'll get them on here to 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 talk about the conference at some other point. But I mean that's where that's where we pretty much got to know each other and talked. Over the years, yeah. I mean, a couple of F- FSTA meetings, but just sitting in the stands and uh, just, you know, watching these games is, is, is just a blast. So um, this is uh, I mean, you, you obviously you play, you do the same. That's your job. That's your life. So you put food on your table and put your kids through college. But you play roto ball. You play roto. I mean, you've been playing roto fantasy for you know all these years as well. Right. Yeah, though, not. Really, until I joined that, the league that had the speakers from the Arizona conference, like right. five years ago, that was the first time I really did it seriously. I mean, once in a while, friends will say, hey, it was usually football, not baseball, they talked me into. Um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting, even though we don't have stack categories and in score sheet, you need a whole different draft list than a rotisserie. You have to greatly devalue steals, run scored, 
saves. I still found when I was drafting that rotisserie league, because I'm going to pat myself on the back, say I've done pretty well in that speakers league. I, I won it one year. I came in second another year. I'm in like fourth this year, and I've only played five years. I use pretty much the same metrics as when I draft a score sheet team for my base, you know, base rankings. I figure if a guy had a good OPS the last three years, somehow in rotisserie, he'll figure out how to get either run scored or RBIs or or on-base percentage points. Because, I mean, steals you can kind of predict, but they're so far and few between, I just – I'm not much into chasing them. And saves, you guys keep talking, you guys that are really content writers and trying to help people pick teams. Isn't it something like 50% of the guys that are closers on opening day lose their job during the season? It's a high percentage. This year, there hasn't been as much turnover as people thought there'd be. There's still a lot, but there there maybe isn't as much as people thought there'd be. And, and this speaks towards the score sheet way of life. Saves are being spread out more because manager, you know, professional managers are now realizing it's better to play matchups. It's better to, uh, you know, if my pitcher is pitching well in the eighth, I'm going to leave him in the ninth and get a two inning save. Um, you know, sticking at home, Garrett Whitlock of Boston does that. There's been a few, and the saves get uh, Tampa does it. The saves get spread around a little bit, which is what you can do in score sheet. So yeah, it's it's in, in in these draft and holds as well. You can take shots on speculative closers or you know a late stolen base guy. So you can always uh, make up some of the deficient categories. But yeah, no, I, I I can see where drafting good baseball players will help you win almost any fantasy league, and you have to make that some was nuances. My I think. Yeah. Well, you guys were nice enough to invite me into Tout Wars this year. And, yeah, that Arizona League is a draft and hold. You draft 50 players, and then that's just your team for the year, which I really like drafting deep teams. Um, mm-hmm. I like having to pick through the the garbage in round 42 and try <laughs> to find a guy that might actually end up playing half the weeks for me. Um, Tout Wars was a little has been rough for me. I don't think my drafting strategy was so bad, but, you know, it's a much more traditional setup. You draft, what, 17 players, I think we did. And so I didn't adjust my draft strategy for the fact that there's weekly waivers and there's trades. Because score sheet, we have a monthly two-round draft, which is it's a little like a waiver because you get to draft two players every month. So you can replace injuries, and you can, of course, trade as much as you want. But it's different than having a waiver wire every week where you got to kind of do some studying to do well. Um, and so that's my excuse for not doing that well in Tout Wars. I really, if you guys let me play next year, I need to do a much better job of in the preseason realizing, okay, I don't have to worry about injury risk quite so much because I am going to be able to cut this guy. I mean, you don't want to draft – lose your first round play. I had drafted Bueller in the first round in Tout Wars. So that was, that's pretty rough. You know, your first round pick and out for four months, but you could draft an injury risk in round eight and hope he does great. A little easier than you can, I think in a draft and hold or even score sheet, because you do have the ability to cut him and pick up someone to at least get you some stats. 
Yeah, we should point out that the the draft that this this league drafts, I think like the second week in March. So the whole Bueller situation really wasn't out there yet. He was still thought to be a you know a first round, second round pitcher. Uh, Jeff plays in the the Tutwars draft league, fifteen team draft. And he mentioned we have the weekly fab period. We have seven men reserved, twenty three man rosters. There is an IL. So uh, you know, I think I think you've realized at this point most rotisserie leagues have weekly pickups. So, uh, you know, we, uh, we've we got no reason to boot you yet. So if you don't mess up in the next six weeks, uh, you'll be back. And I'm glad that you're thinking about it and that, you know, what 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 what, what I learned, you know, what do I need to do better? That's that's a, that's a cool thing. And that's what I was going to ask you too is, you know, what what have you learned? You know, first, I mean, we've, I mean, I kind of know the answer because we, we may or may not have talked about trying to get you in the league at, when we're waiting for our planes at the airport or in the stands of the AFL, but still it must've been kind of cool to get that email from Jeff when you got it. Yeah. I mean, Tower Wars is one of those, you know, there's, there's three or four, there's labor that you know, like USA today runs and Tower Wars, one or two others that are just been around a long time and are really well known. So yeah, I thought it was great. I very happy. Um, and I need to make a better effort to comment. I'm not really a tout, but I've done this for 35 years. I'd like to think I could write something that someone might. <laughs> we'll get you. We'll, we'll get you there. We'll get you there. Now that yeah, he's just referring to the tout table. What we we put out. We ask a question every week, and we try to get some responses as far as strategy or players. And we'll 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 get there's some chances to get involved in that uh, by the end of the season. Yeah, we sometimes have. Uh, administrative type questions, which your expertise would be really good for. But at this point of the season, it's kind of hard to to have those in there. But uh, you know, we, we could we could we could we could get them. I mean, I guess one could be. Uh, and what what does score sheet do about teams that just don't make their lineup changes every week? Well, and I'm raising my hand because I'm kind of in that boat. Yeah, you know, in score sheet, because we started this so long ago, we purposely set up the game so that if you went on vacation for two weeks, your team kept going just fine, or a month, or whatever, because it was all literally by mail. So it wasn't like you could log onto your phone on Sunday, even if you're out of town, and make a lineup change. So if your second baseman gets hurt on Tuesday – your backup second baseman that you've put on your bench automatically comes in and plays. And so you don't ever have guys on your roster and score sheet that aren't filling in for a hurt starter if needed. And the same with pitchers. I mean, you can run out of players. You know, if you have two catchers and they're both hurt, you really need to trade for one. There's nothing we don't, you know, we're not going to suddenly add Kurt Casale to your team just for the heck of it. But if you've got depth, you don't really have to turn in a lineup. Um, but most people do. You know, three right. quarters of our customers turn in a lineup every week. And the other quarter, most of them turn in one every other week. Because um, that's one thing about a sim. There's an actual lineup. So I think in the preseason, I don't care what your setup is. Drafting is fun. You know, and it's yep. Yep. it's just plain fun. But I think a sim gives you a little more fun during the season because, like, I had Gliber Torres on my local league, and I started out batting him second. I had great hopes for him. 
And instead of having to bench him in week five when he was horrible, I just moved him down to like batting seventh or eighth. And then as he got a little better, I moved him up. And so, and you can play games like that. Or you mentioned platooning. You know, if you've got a guy that you were going to bat against both right and left-handed pitchers, and he just didn't start out that well, you can platoon him and just bat him against the pitcher he's going to do better against. So it gives you a little more reason to turn in a lineup. Um, even if, right. Plus, the vast amount of our leagues are dynasty leagues, and people know each other in those leagues after years, even if they just joined as strangers. And so for the integrity of the league, I think people turn in lineups just to kind of keep the league, you know, more balanced so that yeah. you're playing your best lineup out there to, to help out the other guys. Right. You mentioned that you, your catchers, you don't add on Kirk Asali, but you do add on a, a kind of an average triple A catcher. So the spot's there, but it's less performance than a major league player. Yeah. I mean, we, with the sim, you have to have someone bat. When the seventh right. spot in the lineup comes up, somebody has to bat. So we give every team an unlimited anonymous minor leaguers. But anonymous pitcher has an ERA between 9 and 10. Yeah, exactly. And you can get through an inning here and there. But, you know, if at the end of the year you've got 240 innings of that, that's a problem. And the catchers, the anonymous minor league catcher hits like 130 with – you know, an on-base of 140 and a slugging of about 150. So he bats, but he does get a hit once in a great while. But Usually when it's playing my team. Yeah, it's not going to help. Um, we like to promote trading, too, because trading's fun. So, you know, we have deep rosters. That's the thing about Towers that it, I just wasn't put in my calculation of. Most score sheet leagues are 10 or 12 team AL or only, or maybe a 20 team BL. And so you draft a little differently. Like I said, in a 15 team BL, especially if you lose an outfielder, there's going to be an outfielder that has pretty decent stats. You know, not great because that wars everybody's smarter than me. So the really good guys are been picked up, but it's not like you're picking up some fourth or fifth major league outfielder. You're picking up a guy that's good enough just start on a major league team. Not exactly. And, it, and I think over one of the changes over the years, and I talked about this with Peter a little bit. Now you, you said you've only been playing for a few years and mostly draft and hold the, the shift from winning, I hate expression. Like I win the league at the draft, but from, you know, having the draft be foremost importance to having in season management, be the foremost importance. I think that's one of the biggest paradigms in rotisserie play. And to be honest with you, it's, it's, it's something that I haven't, I haven't made, I haven't, I haven't shifted myself accordingly. Um, I'm a better drafter than I am in season manager for a few different reasons, maybe too many teams, uh, you know, by the time I'm done with my work, which is helping everybody else make their moves. I'm just not that into making my own moves, et cetera, you know, lazy excuses. But uh, I think that's the biggest uh, the biggest difference. And I think you can say the same in score sheet, even though you're not simming to the BABIP and you're not figuring out the luck. You mentioned it. You can make your you can do your draft and you can make your weekly roster decisions based upon some of these next level metrics. You can notice a guy, maybe he's your reserve outfielder, but 
exit velocity has been so great the next the last two weeks, you put him in your lineup because you think he's going to have a great week because he's due or whatever it might be. So, it, I, 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 to me, it's it, 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 you know, all right. So I didn't put a lineup in. I get my guy to play, but putting a lineup in gives you so much more of an advantage. Well, and I mean, this is true in every game, but um, in Scorsi, you can kind of kind of juggle the odds by moving him, getting him more playing time by based on where you put him in the hitting lineup or where you rank him in your bullpen. But yeah, if you have Strider, for instance, you know, if you put him in your starting rotation after one great start, because you had a great crystal ball, you know, you got a lot of weeks of really good pitching. And if you're more like me, where you're like, ah, he'll never do it again. And you don't even put him in a rotation for six weeks. You know, that's five or six games you've given up to your nearest competitor that you could have won that you probably lost because you had a lousy fifth starter. So really, if you want to do well, I, I think you're right. It's, you know, Ron Chandler always said that. He's like, the draft is only 50%. I thought, well, maybe that's a marketing ploy because they did a lot of in-season stuff. And the longer I played, the more I realized, no. Unless you draft a super team somehow, like you play with nine guys that aren't baseball fans, you have to manage your team during the season to do well. Right. In the very early days, the, the rules, the AL and the NL only, you couldn't make moves. The, the rules were the player was in your lineup unless he was hurt. So you didn't even have the opportunity. But as mixed leagues came into uh, vogue and added reserve lists, that's when the that's when the shift occurred, and not everybody uh, shifted their resources uh, in accordance with how the game should be played. And it's, I mean, when I say it's cost me, I mean literally, because you know, playing high stakes, it's it's cost me. It's cost me in tout wars and labor, um, reputation wise. I haven't done as well as I want. It's something I hope to to fix, but you know, we'll see. Um, well, I, we, we'll we'll wrap up. We're getting close to an hour. Um, we've, we've kind of jumped around it a little bit, but what what score sheet lessons ha, can you use in rotisserie? Is there any? I mean, we talked about a couple, but what are some of the score sheet uh, you know premises that you could bring over to rotisserie that I can bring over? Well, that well anybody. Well, yeah, I mean, what are some or of the not- what are some of the, you know, having played score sheet, you, you, these things are transcendent to rotisserie as well? Well, I think doing smart things like reading Masters Ball rankings and before the draft is a good idea. It um, works. You know, or read two or three. I mean, yeah, Masters Ball is good. Rotowire is good. Um, I think, like I said earlier, if, if they're a good baseball player based on, I mean, not the old style super stat or surface stats. I don't look at batting average, but I really think if if over the last couple of years they've hit well, even if those are in the minors, you know, the minors, of course, you have to look at the age. If they're 25 in Double A, that's different than putting up great numbers if you're 22 in Double A. Um, but if you factor in that stuff, then whether they have a good OPS, majors or minors, for their level and age is pretty much i found works well now that that might be better in the draft and hold it hasn't worked nearly as well at al doubt um and i think especially in single season leagues 
I think age is greatly overthought. You know, I mean, some players fall off a cliff at 34. So while in general, you're going to get worse as you age, I think too many people look at this guy and go, God, he had a great last three years. Oh, he's 34. He can't do it again. And yeah, in a dynasty league, that kind of makes sense. But in a single season league, I think that sometimes picking older players, they're just valued a lot less than they should be just because of their age. Right. It's like people are avoiding Nelson Cruz because of the age. And eight years later, they were right. Right. This, this year. You didn't pick Nelson Cruz <laughs> for the last seven years. You missed out on six great years so that you can say in 2022, see? He didn't know, exactly. do well. One of the things I hear, siren coming, which I uh, can't, I can't help folks, but uh, you're not. If you're listening in the car, you're not being chased. Um, one of the things I think I'm, I'm learning from, or, or I think can transcend from score sheet, is the way the pitching's being managed differently in, in the majors. If you're in a deep enough of a score sheet league, you have to adjust your score sheet pitching accordingly for the openers and etc. In a shallower league, there'll be enough players that you don't have to worry about it. A good starter is still plan A. And I, even though it's not the exact same in rotisserie, I think more management of the pitching categories is needed than in previous seasons. I don't need to, I don't want to force this two start pitcher in just to get the two starts, this one start pitcher or this reliever is better. So you're managing categories, but you're managing pitching. And I think that's part of what the score sheet is over the years, past, past several years, those that are, are not just setting a lineup and going away. They're taking advantage of your, of how long the player can stay in the game, and when you pull them, and the and the different numbers that you use for the number of innings that a pitcher can go. I think the better score sheet players are learning how to adapt some of those uh, settings to their team. Yeah, I think that you're right. You don't just want to get innings because the more innings you get, maybe the more strikeouts you get, or the better chance for a win. You want to get good innings. And I think the other thing that score sheet players have known far longer is that you can never have enough pitching. And these days, you know, it used to be if you drafted a good starting pitcher, Kershaw, 10 years ago, he'd go seven, eight innings every game, you know, and you'd get what, 230 innings maybe? Yep. And now if you get a starting pitcher that gets more than 160 innings, it's kind of a rarity, you know, five, six Six innings has even gotten to be a lot. Um, and so, well, I'm sure you've noticed in rotisserie, haven't most leagues, pitchers used to be an afterthought. You kind of got your hitters and then you started drafting pitchers. And now the leagues I'm in with you guys, anyhow, the first round and second round are full of pitchers. Yeah, that's been one of the big changes, the uh, high stakes especially. But you're right. I mean, it's based on need as well. Alcantara, he's a unicorn. Uh, Sandy Alcantara with on a 220, 230 inning pace. Right now, my latest, my latest under projections, man, that, that sounds pretentious. I have four guys that I projected to pitch over 200 innings this year. There were only four last year. That's just 200 innings used to be, you know, the not everybody did it, but you know, it, it, it wasn't that uncommon to get 200 innings. So uh, it's interesting. So. I'm glad that you're uh, looking at the Tout Wars team and and uh, already thinking about next year. That's a good thing because uh, you'll certainly will certainly invite you back. 
appreciate you taking some time out of your day, especially since you just got done done traveling. Glad you were able we were able to hook this up with short notice on on both of our ends. And uh, I'll miss you if you don't end up going a couple weeks. But kind of looking forward to meeting your brother if uh, get some good stories. Yeah, his uh, one of the reasons he's never been is he is terrified of flying. Okay, but so he hasn't been a plane in thirty years. But fortunately, Phoenix like a 14 hour drive and I've got a really good customer that my brother also knows. Cause we go to an A's or giants game together once a year. I think he who drives cause he doesn't fly. So I think I'll get my brother to drive down with him cause they get along pretty well. And we'll, um, yeah, we'll get him down there where he can, you know, meet the guys. Cause I know all you guys, you know, a lot of us have been going forever. Um, it's not just you and me going for 20 years. You know, Andy Anders, I, I never knew him till five, six, eight years ago down there. And now, so when I go to Boston, he took me to a bar that, next to Fenway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, well, we've lost a couple speakers, unfortunately. Um, yes, we that's have. That's pretty sad. That, that we have, Steve Moyer and Lar Michaels. Uh, you know, every year we remember them with a, with a little bit of a toast, uh, or with Lar, maybe not toast, maybe getting toasted. But yeah, it's uh, it, it it has been where it's at that point, um, you know, I need to need to get in the treadmill and make sure I don't join that crowd. But anyway, uh, anyway, been real good talking to you, Jeff. Glad you're able to uh, glad things are going well. Glad you're able to enjoy yourself in Hawaii over the past week, and maybe this time next year we'll be talking about the A's and the Giants, uh, the A's, the uh, Giants and the Red Sox getting back in the playoffs and meeting. Well, like I said, I'm looking forward to the Giants making a run at Bogarts which won't help your playoffs much, but would greatly help ours. Yeah, well, just don't expect great defense. That's all. Well, they'll put him at third to replace. Crawford's <laughs> got one or two years left. But they just need someone, you know, yeah. that can play every day. We'll see. No, it'll, it's going to be a yeah. great offseason. I'd love, I would love to see a Boston SF World Series. That'd make me very <laughs> happy. Well, you have to come out, visit your daughter, and go to a game. Yeah, I could go out there and visit her and go to a Fenway game. <laughs> there we go. Be the only Giants fan in the park. You'd be surprised. Anyway, Jeff, again, thank thank you for for uh, for stopping by. Thank you, folks, for listening. Um, I can't officially say Jeff will be back next week, but let's assume Jeff will be back next week. All right, folks, enjoy your weekend. Thank you, Todd.